and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. everybody. I'd like to welcome you back to the podcast and I'm so excited today because I have my first SLP as my co-host, uh, speech and language pathologist. I'm going to let her introduce herself now. Hi, I'm Chloe Hill. I'm a pediatric speech language pathologist um, and I work in a private practice. And so Chloe's coming on because she is passionate about early literacy. And this is a very valuable thing for all teachers to be doing. But one of the things that we talked about before we did this podcast is I think a lot of teachers forget when they're working with complex communicators that early literacy skills tie directly into communication just because your student maybe isn't able to communicate expressively or through a device doesn't mean that you should be skipping literacy as part of your instruction. And so she's gonna help explain why literacy is such a valuable component to any child's programming. So Chloe, can you kind of tackle that for those of us who maybe didn't think to be using picture books in our preschool classroom? Definitely. So in general, we know that literacy is important for all academics, and it also opens a lot of doors to like opportunities in the future, like higher education, jobs, and other experiences. And so I like to think of when I'm working with my complex communicators, the phrase presume competence. So we hear that a lot when we talk about AAC, but it also can be applied to literacy. So rather than focusing on what we think that they might not be able to do yet, it's to Um, presume that our students with complex needs are capable of the same literacy skills as their peers and then go from there. And then another reason that early literacy is important is that emergent literacy skills can start to build even in infancy, but they do have to have those opportunities provided to them. It's not like natural like languages. So if we don't focus on those early skills with our younger kids, we might be setting them up to have difficulty through their whole academic journey. That's a great explanation. And I I can already see like where I used to get stuck as a teacher. And this is where I think our second part of our podcast is gonna come into play is I would say, okay, I need to be working on literacy. I would just walk in and read a book and I would expect my students to be able to answer all of my questions and I would provide no, no supports, no accommodations. I didn't know any strategies. I just did what I saw the other teachers doing. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it didn't work well at all. I, I would ask a very open-ended complex question and <laughs> it would stare at me and I'd be like, well, this doesn't work. We're going to throw story time out the window. So yeah. what are your tips for teachers who are thinking that? Where can we start? What's what, what, some of the first thing that we should try when we're implementing this into our classroom? So I think it's um, the first thing I would do is become familiar with pre-reading skills and emergent skills. So those would include phonological awareness, narrative skills, print awareness, um, print motivation. So just wanting to look at books, letter knowledge and vocabulary. So these are skills that kids should be building before they start reading. So I would say it's important to start there and make sure that we're um, having opportunities for kids to experience those. And then once we know those, we can make sure we're 
creating a literacy rich environment that can support those skills. So I like to make sure I have books accessible at all times in my room, they're around the room on the walls so they can see them and then make sure we're making a connection between print and speech. So if you're in the classroom doing like morning meeting and you're talking about the weather and you might show a picture of the sun, you could say the word sun and then you could point to the printed word. I'm not expecting them to read it the first time, but just so they can see that that print is associated with that word. And then I also like to focus on like sound letter correspondence. I think sometimes we tend to go to sight words or um, words that we think would be the easiest for kids to learn. But when we focus on like early decoding skills, it can help them be more independent um, in the future. And then as far as like read, al read alouds and story times, something I like to suggest to teachers is to use dialogic reading. So that means creating a dialogue with the students as you read by asking questions and making comments rather than reading while they listen quietly. So this can help increase comprehension and it doesn't focus so much on fluency, but really on understanding the book, comprehending it and building vocabulary. Those are really great examples. and. Chloe shares a lot of that on her Instagram as well. So if what she was talking about sounds interesting to you, it's definitely worth watching her stories because she does a lot of demos of what she's doing with her clients that it's really easy to understand. Like sometimes you need to see it in action. And so her stories are a great place to kind of get the behind the scenes of what that setup might look like. And then another area that I think teachers could use support in is helping facilitate this in the home. So you know, a lot of parents know that reading books to kids is a really important thing to enrich mm -hmm. in the environment, but they have the same struggles that teachers do. So if you have figured out a system that's working well in the classroom, how can you help facilitate that in the home to make sure that the skills are being targeted the same way across all of those settings? Um, so the most important thing for me um, or other providers to do, I think, is a lot of parent education. So rather than send home a lot of worksheets and things like that, I prefer to talk to them about how they can make any book that they already have um, more of an interactive and enjoyable experience. Sometimes I'll have parents tell me that their child does not like to read with them or doesn't like to listen to a book. And I think creating that interactive dialogue with the student and teaching parents how to do that is the first step in making the kids want to read at home. Um, another tip, this is something I do in speech, but parents can totally do it at home or in the classes. I like to use um, props that go with the book. My kids love it. We just did um, The Very Hungry Caterpillar and I had a butterfly on a stick. It was really easy to make. I just printed out a butterfly and taped it to a straw. Um, I made a paper caterpillar and they were so engaged. And it's the same book that I would usually do, but just having that thing that they could hold and see made them so much more interested in it. So I think that would be something if parents don't have access to anything like that at home, I might send home, I'll just print out a picture of a butterfly and send it home. And that's just another thing to help kids become more engaged. I love that. And I also feel like with my parents, sometimes, you know, I have to remember that they wouldn't necessarily look through a book and realize that. So mm -hmm. it's such a simple thing that I can do and it can help the parent feel more confident in the home. Like, oh, she sent home a butterfly. I should use this with the book. And then they're able to implement those skills. And then they start to build the confidence themselves to do that. So mm -hmm. I really love that idea that it doesn't have to be a ton of prep on your end. It's not like you're spending 
three hours creating a curriculum to do in the home. Mm -hmm. It's something you can do really quickly right before the client leaves your office or the student leaves your classroom and it can really help across the board. So thank you for that suggestion. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share in terms of early literacy that might be valuable for people who are looking to figure out how to add this into their practice? Yeah, so I think it's important just for us to remember that early literacy does not necessarily mean early reading. So focusing on the building blocks that kids learn before conventional literacy and fluency are really just as important to build a foundation for the future. So like in that area, progress and success, they might look different for everyone. If you're thinking, well, my kid can't read this page or whatever. Um, maybe you're just building that awareness of print or the print motivation, the enjoyment of it. Um, progress can look different for everyone, but as long as we're focusing on those early skills, I think, and providing opportunities and presuming competence, that's never um, gonna go wrong. That's always gonna help them for their future. Perfect, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that. And I will have her Instagram linked in the show notes so you can go check out more. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you wanna hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and you can visit me at adaptationstation.net. I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode, and I'll talk again soon.